Shavua Tov. Good morning, everyone. We're learning this whole month of Tevet, uh, sponsored by Shachar and Alex Avram for Rufu Shlema for Brother Pinchas and Mendel Sarah. The weekly sponsorship this week by Ari and Shira Gantavnik in memory of Shira's grandfather, Abraham Irwin, Zichon Olivracha. Rabbi Michael and Phyllis Miller in memory of Dr. Mike, Mark Wiener, Mordechai Nachman, Ben Chaim Meir Veshashana, Zichon Olivracha. It's Phyllis's brother on his fourth Yerzeit. And in memory of Dr. Meyer Mike Wiener, Chaimer ben Yaakov ben Nachum ben Liba. It's Phyllis's father on his third year at site. And also Avram and Miriam Deutsch, in memory of Shira Reitza, Bas Sion, Bas Avram Yaakov, and Chaya Leah. It's Avram's mother on her year at site, Yudzayin Tevet. Remember, she, Avram Deutsch's mother, was named by the Esh Kodesh, by the Piyasetzner Rebbe. She's from Piyasetzner. Right? Nachon? Yeah. Yeah, she lost her voice. Lost she her voice. lost her voice. Oh, I thought you. I thought you got so emotional by that. <laughs> no, I remember when Rev. Weinberger came came to the first time he came to us, and uh, it was it was her yard site. So Avram was chazan. Dafka that day that he came to be with us, uh, and the yard site of someone whose mother was named by the P.S. Setzner. It's just unbelievable. There's there's another chair up here. Uh, and in memory of Leah Bat Shmuel Eliezer Veliba. Miriam's aunt on her yard site, Ted Zion, right? Ted Zion Tavis. All right, I want to add one more. Today is also the yard site of Mayor Ben Yitzchak. You know that we have the Stender upstairs, the Mutfila. It's Mayor Banai's yard site. So today is the yard site of Mayor Ben Yitzchak. I want to learn in his memory as well. All right. Did you ever see this? Um, this is a. Uh, I get asked this every few months by some guy that puts together. Uh, a Shailon, and I don't know what, what American New York based, like probably Five Towns based magazine, where they ask a bunch of different uh, characters, different character Rabbanim and musicians, um, some random questions. Uh, who, who would you like to have a Chavrusa with if you could go back in time? Who's the most influential figure in your life? I know my mother's always watching, so I always, you know, <laughs> don't know what to say, but then, it's like, then, then they asked a Shaila this week that said, uh, the Geula will come when? And they left a few... Uh, did anyone ever see this? Mm-hmm. No. no? I don't know, I have to send it out. The Geula will come when? And then it had three dots. And then it opened it up, and then everyone, you know, <laughs> they had all these people answer such a, such a question. And they asked Rev Weinberger also, which I was like, very happy to see they asked him. I think he said, when we really want it. That's what he said. Um, someone commented on all those comments and said, uh, someone that lives here looked at all these people in America and said, like, when will it come? When you guys all come home, right? One of those. Uh, they're running home. They, they see that comment and uh, everyone's running home and signing out Nefesh Benefesh things, right? Because someone said, when you come home. Um, of course, there's a, there's a deep truth to that Nikuda, but there's a, it's got to be in a way that people can hear it. So, we're, we're going to be touching upon a very, you know, something we, we think about all the time. And it's one of the questions they're going to ask us when, after Me'aveh Shana, they're going to ask us, Tzipita Yeshua. Were you, were you, Tzipita is a very interesting word. Sister quoted Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, she's, she's a, she's a Geula Dekayim. Tzipita doesn't just mean were you thinking about Mashiach. Were you thinking about the salvation. Tzipita Yeshua was where you anticipating, let's support, like, right? 
when you, you're, you're anticipating your life, there's two different lives. There's one that I believe Mashiach will come, like we saw very strongly by the Chidush of Reb Tzadok on Thursday, where Reb Tzadok says the Chidush of Parshas Vayechi, he said, it's, it was so profound, he said, the Chidush wasn't that uh, Yaakov Avinu knew when Mashiach would come and how he would come and it was Nistalak Mimeno. The Chidush was that Mashiach will come and he let us know that it actually will be. It will be, which is what people need to hear today. It will be. How exactly? I don't know. But that it will is just as much of a Chidush as how it will be. You understand the difference? But here what we're saying is something deeper. Living a life of knowing that Mashiach will come at a very high level. Anticipating his arrival means my life is different. Different world. The way I live is very different. We're going to understand, and I, this is like, this is prep for Ad Me'ave Esrim, put it like that. This is prep to be able to stand before Beis Din Shalmala and, you know, be able to say, you know, I really gave it a shot. Someone, a great therapist, told me recently, he said the greatest Eitzah, I think I said it to you before, the greatest Eitzah he gives his chaverim and his clients is that a person has to go to sleep at night saying, you know what, I gave it a shot today. Not, yeah, you succeeded or I didn't succeed, but to be able to go deep in their heart and say, today, I gave it a shot. To be able to say, I gave it a shot today. With my chinuch of my children, with my Talmud Torah, with all the things that I know are important, to say, I gave it a shot. So I want us to be able to all feel like when they're going to ask us, Tzipita li Yeshua, that we could already know now, hopefully, based on what we're going to learn, we gave it a shot. We gave it a shot. Lo alecha ligmor. It's not on us to finish the whole thing. But en ata ben chorin li batel nimena. But we are not, we don't have this luxury to exempt ourselves from giving a, giving a shot. And that's what I want to do today. So if you have the page in front of you, the bottom, the bottom thingy, ma'amar beis tzipita li Yeshua. I forgot. Uh, Reish nun vav. Reish nun Ariel, I feel bad. It's okay. I'm waiting for me Yeah, Okay. Okay. Tzipita Yeshua. It's a short ma'amar, very, very, very straight to the point. Ha'ikar ayud bet miyud gimel ikarim shesider harambam hu ani mamim bemuna shleima beviyas hamashiach ve'afar pishis mamea im koze achakelo bechol yom sheyavo. You know what peace here? The Rebbe stopped saying after the basically after World War Two. What peace? Which words from here? From a uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wouldn't have them sing that, those words. Because you know what those words mean. No, chas v'shon. means even if it takes time. When the Rebbe, would, when they would sing about Mashiach, those weren't part of the words. That, that wasn't part of the nigun anymore. But this is the 12th out of the 12th principle out of the 13 <laughs> principles the Rambam taught us. About, now what does it mean? What are the ikarim of the Rambam? What, is, what does each Ikar represent? Each Ikar that the Rambam quotes is basically saying, the whole Torah is standing on this. A Yid's whole life of Emuna is standing upon these Inyanim. This is an Ikar. This is Mamash, what everything stands upon. Okay, so that's the Rambam saying. This is the 12th out of the 13th principle. Next page. Biyidua Kushias HaChasam Sofer. There's a famous kashia by the Chassam Sofer. Shehiksha, madua kalal harambam is biyas ha-mashiach b'chlal ha-ikarim. 
Why does the Rambam include the coming of Mashiach into one of the 13 principles? Of course, the coming of Mashiach definitely is one of the important things that Chazal bring down. Why? I mean, if I see some of you like, even have like a weird, like wondering, like what's the question here exactly? But let's just think about this for a second. He's saying, nonetheless, the Chassam Sofer is, yes, it's important, believing in Mashiach, but why does the Rambam list this, coming of Mashiach, like more than most things in the Torah, that this is one of the 13 principles? What's the, Ram, what's the, what's the question here? Does anyone understand the question of the Chassam Sofer? I'm going to say it again. He's saying... Why did the Rambam list this as one of the 13 principles of faith? Like, what's his question? I know for many of us that are living in this, oh my God, it has to happen mentality, we were like, what do you mean? Why, why is that a question at all? Of course, it, of course it is one of the 13 principles of faith. What's the Shaila Bichlam? What's the question? But we have to understand, what is the Khatam Sofer really asking? What is he asking? What's his question? I want us to think about this. What's the basis for all the Ikarim altogether? Like, oh, like how did the Rambam get to his assumption? Yeah, and this is one of them, but it, that's what he's talking. They got a emunas chachamim. We don't. I, I trust the Rambam right. that he knew exactly what you know what, what things should fall under v'chulei. But what is it? What is it bothering him? Because basically, just believing in something does that have any lemaisa in my life? If it's Ikarim of yahadut, that means it should be thirteen things that I have to do every single day. So how, how could it be that one of the 13 principles of faith, right? It's not just one. There are others that are also emunadika principles. Like what? Tchiyat HaMetim. Uh, what else? Beautiful Tzvekis Nigan. Someone sang it on Shabbos this Shabbos. Then Moshe Kassman sang it in Musaf. Ani ma'amin be'emunah she'eleima she'habohorei zborach she'moyhu borei ma'ani these are like very interesting principles of faith. They're just like emunah-driven. As opposed to what I would think would be principles of Yiddishkeit should be, these are things that you have to do upon which everything else stands. So the Chatam Sofer could have had this question on other things, but he's bringing it about Mashiach for an additional reason. The Indian of Mashiach is so nistam. It's so concealed. It's so concealed that even in our parsha that we just read, Yaakov Avinu brushes upon it. No, concealed, not revealed, no, no, no clarity. And that's why we've had so much trouble with missionaries and the emergence of other religions as well over the years. It's due to this concept, the notion of the whole world of Mashiach. It's a mashu lo muvan. It's very, very hidden. It's very abstract. So maybe the Chatam Sofer is saying, how could an Ikar of Yahadut, one of the Ikarim of the Rambam, be something that we know so little about? So I think that I want to say like this, even the little, little, little bit that we know about Mashiach, about waiting for Mashiach, plays a very game-changing role on our Yiddishkeit. Game-changing role on Yiddishkeit. Like we mentioned briefly on Thursday, a little bit of a tangent, but it was an important one, there are plenty of Yidin that are keeping Torah and mitzvahs that the concept, the role and anticipation of Mashiach not only plays no role in their Yiddishkeit, they've actually nixed that piece 
of Yiddishkeit. So we have to see, and I don't know how, the, I, don't, I have no idea how they're going to answer that Shaila Tzipita Li Yeshua. I don't, I don't know, I, don't, I have no idea. But I also don't know how I'm going to answer it. I'm not worried about them, I'm worried about me. I want to know how to answer that question. Did I live a life that was anticipating the Geula or not? So let's look inside. So now, thank you very much. So in order to truly anticipate and look forward to something, it must, you must know what the essence of what you're looking forward to is. It's funny, like, it's, I mean, it's probably touching you very, very deeply right now, right? Like, you have to, you have to be able to, let's support, you have to know what's the mahut, what is the, the essence of that which I'm looking forward to. If I don't know what I'm looking forward to, if I'm not connected to the essence of what I'm looking forward to, what am I looking forward to exactly? And, and I don't want to, you know, we could get very uncomfortable right now, and I could start going around in a circle and saying, what is Mashiach, uh, Mashiach Tzayt, like the time Mashiach look like to you? And, you know, the one that goes first is, you know, the, the three or four people that go first, they're going to basically help the rest of the people answering towards the end. But we're not going to do that. But I'm just saying that if push came to shove, and we put a bunch of people that are davening for the geula every day and ask them, well, what is it that you're looking forward towards? They'd realize when it comes and trickles down, like, bless you. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think that's meaning it's relevant, but it's not relevant because you're limiting God if you actually know what I'm, what I'm waiting for. But if I'm connected to God and I know He is, whatever He's anticipating, He's telling us to anticipate, and so I know it. So I have to find out what Hashem is anticipating. Do you know? Um, not that, that I could that fully know. Was it? Analyze it. It's just he's good, and whatever he's going to give is good, and so I just know it's going to be better than what I can come mm-hmm. up with. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's important. Yeah. Is it ignorance to just be like having imagination all the children's books I've been reading? So I saw our own um, that it's just revealed good. You know, it's, it's basically what Miriam was saying. Kindness, like you would assume that that's what it's going to be. It could be. It could be. That's why we say tov. That's why in Chabad they're very, very makpit madgish, but tov hanigla when they give you a bracha. Tov han, tov hanister. I have to believe that's happening to me right now. <laughs> tov hanigla is a whole other world, like revealed good, revealed good, concealed good. Gut, you don't feel it. <laughs> No, it's being funny. Like meaning, reveal, concealed good feeling it is is it's we're talking about revealed, revealed good. Tova nigle, tova nigle. Let's see how he develops this. Kechol shechaser lo adam berur mahuta metzupe, kach nechleshet atzipia. The more someone lacks clarifying what it is, the mahut of what of what they're looking forward to, so too does the looking forward, the anticipation become weakened. 
וככל שברור לאדם מה מהותו של הדבר שהוא מצפה לו, כן תגדל ציפיותו. And the more that a person has bereared לעצמו, has clarified to himself the essence of that which they are anticipating, so too does their anticipation grow. אם הוא חושב שדבר זה טוב עבורו, of course that is if you're under the assumption or you believe that what you're looking forward to is good for you, then you, then you want it, then you, your anticipation grows more. נכון? My father, I remember this when I was a little kid, my father had a, had a band. He had a band that he played with, he, my father was working quite often on nights playing simchas, like bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and weddings, a lot, a lot when I was a kid, both in Los Angeles and in Ranana. There was one of his guys who was a saxophone player, and he, it took him a long, long time till he found his, his, uh, his beloved. And then my father asked him, like the two days after they, he got married, my father asked him, <coughs> How, so what's it like now? <clears throat> I remember I was 11. I don't know, my, my father told me this. It must have slipped down. He said, He said, well, it's more or less the same thing. I just, now I come home from gigs and there's someone else in the house. So, the mahut of his tzipia, like, you know, what was he anticipating before then? Imagine interviewing him before he got married and asking him, what is it that you're looking forward to, right? So the mahut, that means the essence of what you're looking forward to, determines how much you're going to be looking forward to something. Bias Mashiach einorak chiyuv emuna lehaamin shevadaya sheyavo, ela nitzrach litzapot lechach bechol yom. The coming of Mashiach is not just an obligation to believe with complete faith that for sure he will come, but there needs to be an anticipation that this will happen every day. And that's why one of the things in Nusach Sfaid that we say, and I noticed it's not in all Nusach Sfaids, but it's definitely the ones that we say, and then two words, right? Game changer. It's either Umetzapim Tamid Lishua or Umetzapim Lishua. Okay, I'm hoping. But then there's Umetzapim Lishua, and I'm t- anticipating. And the question is like this What is the difference between these two types of people of someone that knows and believes Mashiach will come? and someone that's actively anticipating his imminent arrival. That's the difference. That's the Shaila we have. That's the Shaila we have. I would say, if I, if I dare say this, that if I had to, if someone asked me today, what, what would you say is the Iker Nekuda of the Mivneh, of our Kehila? It's exactly that. It's, it's the, of course, Everyone, I, I believe that everyone here, Kimat everyone believes the Mashiach is going to come, in, meaning in Efrat, in Israel, all, all of Am Yisrael. I, I believe the majority, the vast majority, of course people believe, they do. But then there's this anticipation. Then there's this like, but wait a second, Umetzapim Lishua. You know, someone was talking to me before, before we moved in here into the building, and said, do you feel like you're being two-faced at all? So regarding what? He said, well, because... All that, you know, Umetzapim Lishua talk, and then you actually built something that Ke'ilu is like, Mashiach's not coming today, because if you really believed he would, you're a coin. You're going to be busy in, in, in Yerushalayim, and there'll be something like this. For everyone else, they'll be busy too. It'll be a different Metzius. And of course, we, don't, we, we can't hold like that. 
right? Because we have to be in both worlds. That's the way Hashem designed it. It was still a nice shtach. It felt, it was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like a good, you know, this halacha, it says that you're not supposed to meet a sec, masal, matan during the nine days. You're not supposed to have any business transactions during the nine days. Why? It says because if you're really mourning over the base of and anticipating the arrival of Mashiach being born in Tishabav, and you're being involved with masal, matan, with commerce, with mischar, with business, for a world post-Tishabav that's Mashiachless, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? So that should be all year long, right? But the Allah brings it down that it should be from Rosh Chodesh Av until Tisha B'Av, that I, that's, that's the way it should be. Isn't, isn't though, maybe I'm wrong, correct me, if, if the Mashiach comes, it's not that the world reality will change, but our consciousness will have divine consciousness of, uh, in everything and everyone. So that you can go have business transactions, but you will see the Kedushah and the holiness even in that. Amen. I have no idea what the answer is. I hope. I hope. Well, Kivino. I anticipate. With Sipi, exactly. I don't know. Any more sign. Ela nitzrach litzapot lekach b'chol yom, achak elo b'chol yom sheyavo. Im adam eno yodeh beberur ma inyano shel Mashiach, ma ze nogea elai, l'shema nitzarich oto, azai lo shayach shu yitzapesh b'chol yom. But if a person doesn't really understand what Mashiach is and what it has to do with me, and what do I need Mashiach for, then maybe it's not. Then it's probably not Shaykh that a person like this will anticipate the arrival of something that you're not quite sure what Shaykhut it has to you, to the individual. It's a very strong sentence, right? So only a person that's clear to them completely what Mashiach is, what his job is, what his purpose is, and what, what am I lacking as an individual as long as Mashiach hasn't come, only a person like this can really anticipate the, the arrival of Mashiach any day. That's why the Rebbe was so big on people learning Hilchos Melachim, uh, all the halachas regarding what Mashiach is going to be doing. We've spent a number of summers in the Shabbatot learning these things more be'iyun, and there's never enough time to learn. We should continue learning it every day. But he says, he ends up here, Adam shem etzapel ha-Mashiach ve'ino muda ma'u Mashiach as a tzipiyah shel hevel. So a person that's anticipating Mashiach coming, but he's not conscious or aware, what is Mashiach? Ma'za bichlal? It's an anticipation of vanity. Hevel. Like nothingness, right? Tzipiyashil dimyonot. She'az yeyotir tov babilti yadua. And it's an anticipation of dimyonos. That means just uh, the... Uh, what's that? More fantasy or the Baba Maises types of, of imagination. Because sometimes there's, there's a very holy value to imagination. But he says here, a person like that is better off with the unknown. Better off in the unknown. Yeah. Uh, he's not saying that, by the way, those children's books are... No, he's asking something impossible. Every time we say what Mashiach might be, we say, I don't know, right? But then he's saying that's the answer. Yeah. Okay. Fantasy, not knowing <coughs> and having those imaginations, but yet we need to know what his job, his purpose, and our lack is. No, the question that I don't know was what she asked about, what Dalia asked about, 
um, how it's going to manifest in our consciousness. I would like to believe that, like the Navi says, when Mashiach comes, that the consciousness and the knowledge of Hashem being in, like, in a revealed way will fill all of creation. I still don't know what that looks like exactly. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I want a Torah like this. What I have to do is, whatever that means to me, I have to start living like that right now. I said, in Hebrew, even though you change the kaf to the kuf, but lechakot in Hebrew means to wait, but then when you change the kaf to the kuf, lechakot means to imitate, right? To emulate. So I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we do have written down, basically from the Rambam and from others, more or less what his job is, what his job is, what the tafkid is, what it will kind of look like, but it's still nistar. It's still, it's still a little bit... I mean, listen, we're learning now mitzvahs yeshuvah aretz. Every morning after shul, we're learning the halachas of the mitzvah of, dwell, of conquering the land and, dwell, and settling the land from someone who it's very clear to him what that looks like, Rav Melamed, okay? But every morning when I learn these halachas with the chevra, I see like 500 rabbanim that are sitting in the room, that are looking at me like this, that are basically saying, you, you learned that, you're learning, you're choosing to learn the sugya completely wrong. Why? Like, that's my problem, whatever. That's my issue that I have to, <laughs> that I have to deal with. But like, why is there such a mitzvah like that? Because when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, it is so concealed, it's unbelievable that you have hundreds of thousands of very, very, very strong yidin, like strong halachic yidin, that don't see this messianic moment in our lives as a messianic moment in our lives. So it's all hidden, it's concealed. We have to like hold, grab onto the light of clarity of Eretz Yisrael and of Mashiach with, with everything that we, with, with all our might and soul, with all our, with all our kochot. And that's what we're trying to do over here, is saying like, okay, so let's just refine and get clearer. Are, am I living a life of really understanding what Mashiach is going to be? And the question would be, am I living it myself? Am I living, like, already right now, the way that I think the world will look like when Mashiach comes? You know why? Because I don't know exactly what the world is going to look like when Mashiach comes. Because I don't know what it means, a world of peace and prosperity. I don't know what that means. To the best of my knowledge, none of us ever lived that. <laughs> we, never, we never experienced that before. And in world history, we said this months ago, right? What was the... What was the, the longest period in time that there were no wars? Like 200 something years in total? 200 something years in total of like came out 6,000, yeah. So we don't know. And as an Am, the only period that we know where there was a little bit of, of Mashiach air in the, in, the, in the world was the Tkufa of Shlomo HaMelech, which none of us were physically there. So we, we, again, we don't know these things, but it still doesn't exempt us from learning a little bit about the essence of what I'm looking for, towards, you know, forward towards, because then I'll start to live in a different manner. My, my living experience here will be different. The way, I, the way I do Torah, the way I learn, the way I keep mitzvahs, the way I relate to everything, it'll be a different manner. It'll be something else. It'll be different. Of course, it's a consciousness shift, but it's also more, it's also like not just consciousness, there'll also be avodah, also be like physical work and labor that I probably engage in that I probably wouldn't if this shift didn't take place. Okay, so let's, let's look back inside. 
Mahuto Shal Mashiach. So he's not, by the way, this is a short Ma'amar. He is not going to explain to us everything right now at, at all. He's just going to turn on this light. Remember, these are short Ma'amarim. These are like little like switches, like Ma'amish, like a light switch, these Ma'amarim. Saying, let's, let's turn on the light a little bit over here and then move on. But it's important to have these moments of, of oh, yeah, never thought of it like that, and, and see how, what kind of role that plays in our life. Now he goes to Mahuto Shel Mashiach. So, in order to long for Mashiach, <clears throat> and, in order to, and in order to anticipate his arrival, I need to know a little bit about the essence of Mashiach. And the essence of Mashiach is not necessarily what he does. Like, think about you and me. If someone asks us, what's your essence, and I start giving them a list of what I do, I'm not answering their question. It's so funny when people meet each other, they, what's the first question they ask? What do you do? No one asks you, what, you know, what's your essence? What makes you feel alive? What makes you feel alive? Who asks those questions, right? Remember the story how Reb Nachman became Rebbe? The night that Reb Nachman became Rebbe? It's a little bit of a weird story because it took place the night of his wedding. But he basically was standing at his wedding, Rabbi Nachman, who was 13 when he got married. And he stood there by the Kabbalah's pun, and people were walking into the wedding. And he asked each person, what are you doing here? And each person said, oh, I'm from your father's side, your mother's side, your Kala's mother's side. Like, everyone gave an answer to what he thought the, <coughs> they thought he was asking. Till one guy, his name was Rib Shimon. Rib Nachman said to him, what are you doing here? And he said, I wish, I wish, I wish I knew. And that, and that was the night he found his first Talmud. What are you doing here? So Mashiach, Mashiach, what's Mashiach's essence is not necessarily what is Mashiach going to do. It's more, what is Mashiach all about? What's his mahut? What's his essence? Amru Chazal. Look at the bottom here. Amru Chazal, Shegoel Rishon, Hu Goel Acharon. The first Redeemer will be the final Redeemer. Meaning the essence of the first Redeemer will be his final Redeemer, right? Will be the final Redeemer. Who is the Goel Rishon? We're going to, Baruch Hashem, he gets born this coming Shabbos. You can already feel it in the air, the light of Geula. Moshe Rabbeinu is being born this week. Goel Rishon, Moshe Rabbeinu, Alav Shalom Bechen Hu Goel Acharon. By the way, I don't understand what this means. I'm just telling you. Because this basically on the pshat means what? The, the, the Moshe is coming back and he's Mashiach. So I don't know what that means other than what the Zohar Kaddish says, how there's a Bechina of Mashiach in every single generation and that Bechina of Mashiach is the Moshe Rabbeinu Bechol Dara Vidara. He's the leader of every single generation. The elements of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Mahut of Moshe Rabbeinu, the essence of how Moshe Rabbeinu lived his life will be the essence of the final redeemer of the goel acharon. Madua dafka Moshe Rabbeinu hu alav shalom hu goel, because we say tefil lemoshe otiot lishma kayadua basfarim akdoshim. Okay, so for today's shir, he basically this is it. He ended it. Like he, he's given this is the answer for today's shir. Today's shir is the essence of Mashiach. Today's shir is the essence of anticipation towards Mashiach. Is your life lishma or not? Is your life lishma or not? If someone says to me, what are you talking about? I learn halacha, and I keep the Torah, and I say some nice divrei Torah, does that fall into the category of lishma? So none of us should be judges and say yes or no. 
This should only be for ourselves. We shouldn't look at anyone when reading the next few sentences and thinking about anybody else but yourself. Can I say that the way that I live my life, my Yiddish guide, is Lishma. Lishma means L'Shem Hashem, for the sake of Hashem, for the name of Hashem. The Kotzke Rebbe used to always say, I give us all a brach, he says, when he would really like be charif with someone that looked like he was a Lishma Yid, he says, I give you a bracha that your Lishma should be Lishma. <laughs> right? Well, what does that mean? We're going to figure out. Well, in order to know if I'm doing lishma or not, let's first figure out what lo lishma is. Lo lishma means when my body is in control of the story. Simple. When my body is running the show, it's lo lishma. When my body is put in its place and it knows who's running the show, that's lishma. Simple as it is. Easy, right? No, but simple. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu reached. His soul was running the show while he was physically alive for 120 years. What's interesting is that we always speak about 120 years, but when do we re-meet Moshe Rabbeinu after he was born? 80 years later. So I wanted to say like this. A lot of us are like, oh, Moshe Rabbeinu, like, like, the way he lived, we can't start comparing us. It's true, we can't compare ourselves to the revelations of Moshe Rabbeinu. But what we can compare ourselves is that you think Rabbi Akiva started at an old age of 40? Our Goel, our first Mashiach, and the essence of the last Mashiach, the way the Torah introduces us to him again, is at the age of 80. Why is that? What, nothing was important for the first 80 years? We have some Midrashim, very few, not so much, but it's to come in to show us that to really live a life of Lishma, and only then Hashem reveals himself to you, you could be 80 years old. Time is an illusion. Oh, I didn't get my act together. I'm 37. Oh, I'm 51. It didn't happen yet. I'm 65. This Thursday was the yard of a dear friend of mine, Nachman Futterman, this past Wednesday. At his 75th birthday, I remember he had a little party, and I gave him a bracha there that, um, I forgot what it was like, you know, about feeling young. And he had a way of saying, Bubi, my Avmavinu only started the trek at 75. What are you talking about? I'm just starting. And he lived like that. He was very, very young in, in, in spirit. Moshe Rabbeinu starts to be our Goel actively at the age of 80 because he's a person who his body was not running the show in his life. But when do we know that about him? When do we know about Moshe Rabbeinu? When do we know about Avmavinu? 75, 80, it's not stam. There's, 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 there's a point over here that to live a life of lishma, which means knowing, who's ru- knowing who should be running the show and calling the shots here, it can take sometimes that long. <clears throat> His ratzon, living a life of lishma, 
is that what he ended up wanting in this world was just what Hashem wanted. That's a life of lishma. Ki en lo There's no personal entity here. Meaning there's literally, I, I, I don't have this war of like, I want this, but I know it's bad for me. Oh, it's so hard. It's like, what do you mean? If something's bad for me because it's not what Hashem wants of me, boom, then you've sucked about Torah. It's done. Gamarno. Zeo. Enod Gamarno. We have to believe that Hashem wants me to be happy. That's like a very important thing as well. So, the kevan, shekol inyana geula, hu inyan lishma, lechacha geula alide Moshe Rabbeinu alav shalom sheinenu lishma. So here he gives us an interesting insight. He says, the whole concept of redemption is an inyan of lishma. It's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants the world to be redeemed. We think about ourselves all the time, right? I want Hashem wants that the whole world should be filled with his da with his da. It's something that Kadesh Baruch Hu wants. You ever stop and think about that? It's not just me what I want, it's what Hashem wants. So if I tune myself more into the Ratzon of Hashem and not just my limited Ratzon, I can now begin to understand how Maishir Rabbeinu played what his essence was as the leader of the Jewish people. It's interesting how we we, we sometimes during the year, I would say the only other time we kind of shift our vision of stop thinking about what you're feeling and start thinking about what your father is feeling is we've done this many times with Tishabov. And we've said one of the ways to really connect to the Pneumius of Tishabov is think for one second about the fact that Hashem has been homeless all these years. I know we can't wrap our heads around that fully, but if it could trickle down a little bit into our Mitziyot and how much Simcha Hashem has now that His children have been starting to come home in such a multitude, you know, with, with so many numbers, for so many years now, the last 75 years. But Hashem, living, like the, the world of Mashiach is what Hashem wants. That's the world that Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. And that's how Moshe Rabbeinu thought about his shlichus. What is the world that you want, Hashem? Hashem wanted us to leave Egypt. Hashem wanted us to receive the Torah. Hashem wanted us to come to Eretz Yisrael. Can you say right now that Hashem wants you to be sitting here and learning? Can you say right now that the way that you had your past Shabbos is the way Hashem wanted you to have it? So even if you can't yet, when it starts to trickle down this way of thinking, the gates of understanding the Mahut of Mashiach become clearer to us. What does Hashem want? Hashem wants me to be happy. Hashem wants me to find love. Hashem wants me to experience love in this world with a soulmate, with friends, with teachers, with children. These are things Hashem wants. And when I think more like that about this is things that Hashem wants and therefore I'm doing it, like one time when we first gave the first parenting shear, we asked the following question. It's a room filled with parents. I don't remember who was there. And I said, why did you bring children into the world? Why did anyone here bring a child into the world? So everyone's nervous to say the whatever, you know, the normal, whatever answer they're feeling, because it's like a trick question. It happened to be a, qu- a trick question, obviously. Sometimes people get married because that's what everyone does, and people bring children to the world because that's what you do. But the way a Jew brings, gets married and brings children into the world is because that's what Hashem wants. Now, I can be doing the same thing as everyone else, but with the consciousness of this is what Hashem wants. The way that I do it is completely different. It's, it's different. I can't pinpoint right now. I can't say exactly and say, 
this is different and it means like this, but trust me, when you do exactly all the holy things you're doing, but with the consciousness of this is what Hashem wants, this is Lishma, it tastes different. And it's experienced differently. If I go to shul on Shabbos, and before I walk into the shul, I say, this is what the Ribbono Shalom wants. That tefillah is different. Can't explain it. It just is. This is how Moshe Rabbeinu lived his life. This was his consciousness. I'm doing this because this is what Hashem wants. So the, now we're going to finish with this last paragraph. Mi Mashiach. Who will merit to be the ones that Mashiach comes in their time? Hanavi Omer, the prophet Yishaya Navi says, Kol hanikra bishmi ulichvodi brativ af asitiv. Klomar, kol habriya nivlea lemaano yidbarach shmo. All of creation was created for Hashem. What does that mean that something was created for Hashem? What does that mean? No one has any idea? The, the creation itself gives the Kaddish Baruch Hu pleasure. It could. Ah, so this is two things. One is that it could give God pleasure, or the way that I use it could actually give the opposite. And what you're saying, Tal, is... Our creating, because He gave us the tools to create and to make the world a better place, and for us, Lit Kadem brings Hashem. Brings Hashem into the world. Us becoming partners with them. Yeah. What is exile? Which could be you could be standing on Harabait and being in the deep be in the deepest exile in the world. Galut inyana choser hakara basechel obalev shakol nivra lemanoid barach velo leman adam klal. Galut mentality is the lack of awareness in mind and heart that everything in the world was created for Hashem and not for man. Before you freak out, because it's a, it's a little bit of a heavy statement, take a deep breath, and I'll, I'm going to say that sentence again. And I'll, maybe I'll say it while I'm smiling, and it'll, it'll sound a little bit smoother, right? Galut means that I'm simply, I don't have, bless you, the awareness in my heart and in my soul that everything in this world is an opportunity to bring it back to its source, to for Hashem, and not for it to be indulged and stuck into me and my being. Because guess what? This world was here before we were here, and it'll be here after we're here. But Hashem has always been here and will always be here. How does that manifest? Where is there tension with that? Where's their tension with that statement? Where does that get a little bit yucky? Like, I don't know how to do that exactly. Have you seen any of the latest promotions for Pesach programs this year? Um. <laughs> Have you seen any of these things? Pesach, Geula, right? <laughs> Meaning the things that are supposed to resemble the most, like redemption and Geula, are... Seem to be the ones that are hardest to really, really live in a lemancha kind of level, like mamish for you, Hashem, mamash for you. Geula inyana haakara bepnimiyut alev ubechol chalaka vachitzonim shakol lemanoid barach ve'en adam chay leman atzmoklal. We don't live for ourselves; we live for Hashem. Our living in this world is not that I live for me. I live for Hashem. 
That's how I live. And I have to ask myself, and I have to do a little bit of his bodhidus on this, this statement, what does that mean to live for you, Hashem? And what's so bad about living for myself? Don't you want me to live for myself? Don't you want me to feel successful? Don't you want me to feel accomplished? Those are big words in 2023. Accomplished. Don't you want me to feel fulfilled? And the way that many of us have been brought up is that, you know, the more that you accomplish and that you live, you stand up for yourself and you live for yourself and you put a stamp on it, the more shalem you're going to be feeling. because no, you want to keep pushing for more and more, so you never feel so bad. You're never going to feel shalem unless you're doing it with the right essence. Yeah, but you're never going to feel shalem unless you whatever that is is leman Hashem. Meaning, you could do all these, self, you could have all these accomplishments, and you can get title after title. Lama lo? Why not? Degree after degree, you should. But the question is, is it for your ego or for Hashem? <clears throat> that's why a person that's in the world of accomplishments has, like the world of titles, it doesn't mean drop him chas v'shalom. Because it could be that really that is Laman Hashem. I'll give you a great example. My kids asked me over Shabbos. When I was 18, I was working in, uh, in, in, in this hospital in, in L.A., in Cedar sinai And after a year of working, and it was in the chaplaincy, and after a year of being the rabbi's assistant, he wanted to give me a whole smicha ceremony of chaplaincy. I said to him, ma, 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 come on, ma, ma, you know, the shtuyot. He's like, you think this is for you? He's like, Shlomo, let me tell you something. When you walk into a room and you say, hi, I'm the rabbi's assistant, versus, hi, I'm the assistant chaplain, that person sitting in the bed, he feels a complete difference. He experiences something else. You get over it. (laughs) The Mechabel, their experience of what could be a Lishma experience became more probable, when they feel that they're being honored more by a higher stature of a being coming to visit them. And it hit me very, very strong. I saw it again by a dear friend of mine who donated a lot of money to one of the Breslover books, to one of Chaim Kramer's books. I think it's called The Sweetest Hour. It's about Tikkun Chatzot. You've seen this book. And Chaim put my friend's name in the cover to say thank you. He gave a lot of money. And my friend said to him, no, come on, this is like, this is like going to be Gaiva now. Everyone's going to open the safer and see my name. And they say, he's like, why do you think I did this if the Rebbe's whole thing was like running away from Gaiva so that all the other wrestlers will know who to go to to get money for, for this farm? <laughs> so all these things, like this is not, this should not be when I say, do I live a life for Hashem or for myself? The Indian's not... Okay, I shouldn't do anything anymore that earns me anything, any, any, any titleship in this world. Mapitum. The Shaila is, is it for Hashem or not? Bidiyuk. A hundred percent. That's very important. Because the Mahut of Mashiach, of Moshe Rabbeinu, is, is doing all these things, all these big things. Moshe Rabbeinu could have said, and he tried in the beginning to get out of great moments, because he knew that greatness would come to him. And Hashem kept on saying, do you know why I'm choosing you? Is because by you, it never gets to your head. But you have to do big things. Because you're living a life of for Hashem and not for you. And everyone can ask themselves in their heart, 
where am I living for me and where am I living for Hashem? And it may not mean that you don't have to change anything about your life, aside from one thing, consciousness. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to move anywhere. You may not have to stop doing anything necessarily. That's not what it's about. It's about, am I living for you, Hashem, or am I living for me? And that's a very, that's a very heavy question. This is what Mashiach is about. The revelation of the awareness that everything is for Hashem. If it's honor, money, whatever. A person living for themselves is basically, how do you say mufka? Hafka'a. What's that, annulled? Kind of, like hafka'at kalka'ot. It's like a... Sorry? Kind of. You're, you're basically, you're out of the picture. You're out of the picture of, he says here, of the concept of Mashiach. Kol mahuto soteret neimot Mashiach. A person's essence contradicts the days of Mashiach. I don't want to contradict. I don't want to live a life that's contradicting, contradicting the essence of the days of Mashiach. And only a person that's living lishma will be around in the time of the revelation of Mashiach. Zot ve'od, Adam shemurkav libo milishma velo lishma, rak achelek halishma shebo yishair, ve'achelek shelo lishma shebo ye'alem ve'yimachek mi'chushav. This is so deep. A sentence ago, he said something very harsh that I didn't translate because I wanted to see how it could be redeemed. But the sentence before he said, whoever is going to live a life of, of for, for, like for Hashem, they'll be around when Mashiach comes. That's a pretty heavy statement. But then he said, let me just explain what that means. We, each of us are, comp- like we have these, all these different chambers. Well, some of them are Lishma, some are not Lishma. He's saying the part of you that's going to stay alive when Mashiach comes is going to be the Lishma part. And the Shalol Lishma part of you is going to be completely deleted and erased from your set of senses, of your consciousness. That'll be removed. So wouldn't you rather invest in that which is here to stay? In that which is here forever? In the part of you that's always going to be around? That's what we're talking about. Me'ata barur, now he says it's clear, Madua inyan Mashiach hu mi'id gimel ikarim, kevan she'zeh tachlit kol habriah. Of course Mashiach is going to be one of the 13 principles, because it's the purpose of all of creation. Leman dat kol ha'me'aretz, ki Hashem hu elokim enod. You know, generally speaking, when we say, one day the whole world will know you, Hashem, there's like this anger in our eyes, and we're like, one day it'll be clear, and everyone will see that it's a... No, that's not, that's not what it is. It's, it's the most, it should be the most peaceful, nice statement ever. But to get back to what he said over here, just for one second, and we'll end with this, I think, I th- again, I think the way we understood it is very meduyak. They're going to ask me, were you anticipating Mashiach to come? That's one of the questions. Now the answer before learning this piece was, are you kidding me? I said Ani Mamin almost every day. And especially when I was by Akumzitz and we started speaking about it and we went like that and we thought about the Holocaust and then, uh, you know, all the Ani Mamin from the, the... Definitely I anticipated to come. Now he's saying, no, no. 
They're not going to ask you, Hamanta hey, b'Mashiach. Did you believe in the concept of Mashiach? They're going to ask you, Tzipita Yeshua? Were you anticipating it to come? And your answer is based on, did you live for you, or did you live for Hashem? And that's, that's already another ballgame. That's another ballgame. That's, that's heavy stuff. That's real stuff. So I want us all to have a lot of koach right now, and you'll realize that when it comes, if you, if you sit with yourself in a real pnimi way for a few minutes, for, in a real, real earnest way, in a real, a real like, safe, in a real safe spot, and you start asking yourselves, am I living for Hashem or not? You're going to be blown away by how, much, how often the answer is yes. And that's why I want the dafka this year to give you koach, and to show you that you are mitzapot Yeshua. You are anticipating Mashiach to come in the manner that he's explaining right now. Yeah. So, hypothetically, an example, if you're eating brownies now on Shabbat to elevate them, and then when Mashiach comes, you're going to enjoy brownies. But if you're just eating brownies, stop, because you want to, when Mashiach comes, that part is just going to disappear, and you're not going to really care for brownies. Is that an example? <laughs> I mean, that's just... It could be. I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an answer you don't like. Part of, like whatever part that's not lishma. Whatever part that, that's not lishma. To be redeemed, it's not gonna be able to be redeemed. But but that part. So if you do everything in your life. If I eat in a brownie, and I say and with the I make a bracha on it, and I'm enjoying it, and I. Yeah, but again, that. that it could start. If it needs, if it needs, if it needs to start there. If it needs, yeah. For each person, it starts differently. You know, yeah. No, for each person, it starts differently. Listen, the whole time we're learning, I'm thinking, you know, there's this very, you know, there's this chase in the NBA right now about. Basically, for the last 37 years, there's been an all-time record of the most points scored ever by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay? 37,821 points. This is like the most anyone's ever scored, right? Now, what's the whole thing? That this year, it seems like someone's going someone's gonna to pass it, right? So I was thinking, as we were laying, I'm like, wow, so wait a second. Can I say anything, lishma, about this anticipation <laughs> that he's about, you know, that this, the, 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 And what's the answer? I don't, I have to sit with myself. That's the, the answer is I have to sit with myself. Like most, like many things that are part of our, the way we live, I have to sit, and it's okay that I don't know the answer, but at least I would like to start thinking about these things a bit, a bit deeper, you know? Well, I'm going to start knocking off everything, and you know what happens to Hever like that. The burnout comes faster than they realize. It's not about burning everything out and knocking. It's sitting with it and being like, wait a second, I don't know. Our generation is reaching heights. So I want to sit with that. But I, I just really wanted to give everyone koach here that you are waiting for Mashiach. You are anticipating Mashiach. You are. Baruch Hashem, you are and you're going to, and, and even more. And just knowing that should give you koach to hold on tight because Be'ezer Hashem, We'll all be witnessing the coming of Mashiach Tzitkein. Amen. 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 Amen.